There are jobs out there. There are companies hiring. There's good companies and there's good jobs. You're not going to be able to get into those jobs the same old-fashioned way that you've probably found jobs in the past. Deal with someone who's an expert in the industry you're in. Um, recruiters who claim to be jack-of-all-trades or, as the saying goes, masters of none. We just have to worry about what is the impact of that resume. Do you want to be the absolute best candidate for a job you'll love in a career with balance? Veteran leadership career catalyst Jonathan Flax is teaming up with leading executive search professionals to provide you with cutting-edge career transition strategies. Welcome to Career Transition Experts. And now, here's your host, Jonathan Flax. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so excited. I have a new close friend who's also a fan of progressive rock. Jamie Shore is with us. Jamie is a leader in finding sales leaders, top talent in the sales game, uh, based uh, just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, where we started talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Jamie, thanks for being with us. What's the main thing people are going to get if they stick around and listen to this podcast episode? I appreciate it, Jonathan. And the main thing I hope they get out of that is it, it, it's a hard time. There's a lot of people looking for work. There's people that were never laid off in their lives. And the main point is there are jobs out there. There are companies hiring. There's good companies and there's good jobs. Um, and related to that point is you're not going to be able to get into those jobs the same old fashioned way that you've probably found jobs in the past. It's a different process and it absolutely is a process that you need to learn and follow. But the good news is it's consistent with how these same people likely found sales success in selling. That's, that's really good insight and very encouraging, Jamie. So, Jamie, tell us about Cezanne Talent and um, what your company is about. Tell us a little bit about you, uh, your background, whatever you think is most relevant that we should know about, you know, your 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 talent and your strength, your own talent, your strengths and um, and your company. Sure. Thank you. Um, I've really had two phases of my career. I was a VP of sales for a fairly large sales organization of about 200 people for over 20 years. Um, with sales directors, sales managers, and ultimately about 200 salespeople. Um, when, when that business sold, um, I really didn't want to go to work for a large corporate company. And one of the things I realized that in my entire 20 years, I never found a recruiter that was a true partner. And by partner, someone who understood my needs, was was 100% trustworthy, put our interest mm-hmm. above theirs. Um, I, I really even found a good vendor, someone who I found people in the recruiting business, honestly, who would try to place people with us in the morning and take our people in the afternoon. Um, and, and I spoke to a lot of colleagues who had similar feelings. And um, it shouldn't separate you in the business world when you're you're honest, um, you work hard, and um, you put other people's interests ahead. And in this business, I think it actually does separate you. Mm. Well put. I appreciate that. So uh, very relevant topics you've teed up. Talk to, talk to us about the, um, the market. It, we're right in the midst of COVID, second wave, worse than the first wave. There was something like 22 million people laid off in the beginning of the pandemic. What's your view of how the job market's shaping up? In, in a macro sense, it's certainly a tight market. There's a lot of people laid off. Um, this company's struggling. So in a macro sense... I certainly haven't seen any huge recovery to this point. Um, But particularly if someone is in the sales or sales leadership profession, um, if you looked at a company and 
let's just say they had 20 salespeople, just to use a round number, the people that were not the superstars, not the top four, but let's take a look at, you know, maybe those that were not the bottom five, but, you know, numbers six to 10. So they were in the second to last quartile. When, when times were good, these people, you know, might be 90 percenters, 80 percenters. Occasionally they hit 100 percent of plan. They were never bad enough to say we have to get rid of these people. Um, but but those people have been totally exposed now. And now that the bar is raised, because it's harder for in, unless you're selling Clorox wipes, it's harder to sell just about anything mm-hmm. business to business. And um, so what, what's in short supply is really that person who's consistently been above 100 percent. You know, we, we call them impact players or top performers, but almost no company has, whether it's on a leadership or sales, too many people that have been just been consistently president's club or chairman's club winners. And for that niche, with the right marketing of those people, there's a lot of job opportunities. Mm. Great. Um, and you said uh, it's going to take a different approach to get in the door for those and win those uh, win those roles. Say first a little bit more about those roles. So just go a little deeper on that. Um, roles that we've placed probably in the last three to four months would uh, be uh, several uh, enterprise sales reps typically selling uh, products that are different types of software as a service products um, to to various industries. And, you know, those are jobs typically that would have an on-target income north of $200,000. We've also placed directors of sales. We placed a, a VP of sales. Um, we actually placed the president of a company and uh, several sales, new team sales managers managing six to nine person type teams. And those are all in the SaaS sales as a software as a service. Kind Gen- of? Yeah, generally any kind of software and technology services, and right. and, and and again, that's a field that's still going to be necessary, and 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 um, it's a pretty wide net. In terms of potential opportunities, and um, and it's a competitive field. It's 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 a field where the product is never going to sell itself. Yeah, very good. How about a sip of coffee? Why not? Anyone mm-hmm. listening? We're just taking a sip of coffee. We invite you to do the same. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, any any other outliers or interesting areas where people are not likely candidates for technology or software that there are also trends you're seeing about. Um, I say that with 22 million people laid off, but about 7 million that were rehired, there are still companies that are hiring and and it's still hard for companies to find good talent because when, um, when there's too many candidates, it's hard to find the right one. What other areas or industries or what other insights can you bring to that? Um, in terms of industries, we really focus on, and I would, um, to anyone listening, recommend deal with someone who's an expert in the industry you're in. Um, recruiters who claim to be jack of all trades or, as the saying goes, masters of none. Right. And so, so I could really speak best to the technology services uh, area. Um, 
but but it's it's very important who you partner with and wh- whether it's us or another company to to represent your interest. Um, mm-hmm. I like to you know say we're 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 someone's Jerry Maguire, and the most the most fun part is when everything's ready to be an offer, and I always ask people to say show me the money. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, uh, f- find a recruiter that you trust, uh, that you have a rapport with, that you seem to be on the same page, and uh, people would also sometimes think. Well, if one recruiter is good, two is better. And if two is good, four is better. Um, and it's it's for the same as a company, as an individual. When someone's working with four recruiters, I'm not going to give them my undue uh, attention. I'm not going to market them aggressively and spend lots of time because I'm one of four. And and same with the company. The vast majority of work we do with the company, we'll do in either an exclusive basis or we'll tell them, if you're not happy with the way the results have turned out, call us after. But I'm not interested in being in a race with with five other recruiters. Um, you know, we, we either establish a partnership or or, or not. Mm-hmm. But on both ends, candidate and client, those are things I'd encourage. Ask those questions when you're interviewing a recruiter. How long have you worked with this company? Um, do you mm-hmm. have an do you have a retained search or a contingent search? Mm-hmm. Do you if it's not a retained search? Is it an exclusive search? You know, how many other people have you placed there in the last year? Um, and and again, it, it, I think it's horrible, but there's recruiters that, particularly when they have a top candidate, will use that candidate to try to get new clients by pitching a candidate to someone that's essentially just a cold call. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's not necessarily bad if that leads to an interview for the candidate. Um. Unless you're put, unless you're counting, it's a low result area. If it, uh, you're right. If it can't, if it ha- if it happened, it, it's absolutely a positive. But mm-hmm. but it, but it's a long shot, and I certainly wouldn't want For to sure. bank in that when I'm unemployed. I hear you. It is very um, from the standpoint of uh, the candidate's expectations. For when a person's looking for a job, they don't want to be teased to a, an opportunity that isn't real. Uh, so yeah, it's really important to pick a recruiter who specializes in an industry. And I'm really clear that the software and technology in the Broad strokes of technology. Um, are there other aspects like tech, uh, med tech or dental tech or uh, manufacturing tech or any other areas that you specialize in? Or um, no, you know med- medical is really an area into itself, and and I would encourage folks to you know, find someone who is an expert in that and is well connected in mm-hmm. in that particular field. Yeah. I, our niche is really more business to business. Um, type of technologies, different softwares that business would use you know, from, from, from the front end of origination, like CRM tools to the back end in terms of how we service our customers. Right. I'm going to underscore for our listeners how focused you are, and I appreciate that. You are not wavering from your lane, and we're, you're suggesting that, uh, that candidates look for a recruiter. So for the listeners who are in your lane, they should contact you. You might have uh, uh, searches where they're a fit. For listeners who are in other industries, you want to listen for that kind of ex- industry expertise. As m- my conversations with recruiters go, I completely agree with that focus. Uh, someone with that level of commitment and focus will have deeper relationships with any company they work with, will have a broader sense of uh, a broader book of possible prospects, companies that you're working with within that specialization. So if you're in a career path and you want to stay in that industry, Definitely find a recruiter who specializes. So let's talk a little bit about how they go about this process. How do they work with recruiters and how do they go through the job process that's different now 
than it was ever before. Sure. Um, even though we're bringing the candidate in, the first contact that the hiring manager and everyone else is going to see is a resume. So a resume is more important than ever. And we slow our candidates down and we do a lot of work together. Um, and I'm going to go back to when I was a VP of sales, when someone was saying, yes, I'm going to get a deal this month, I would always ask the same two questions. What is the buying? What is the decision-making criteria? And what is the buying process? In other words, does the person have the money, the authority, the need? What's going to make them buy and what's going to make them buy today? Right. And and if you couldn't answer those two questions, I wouldn't let people forecast the the order because you didn't know enough about it. Right. Um, it's harder when you're doing a, a job, but if you look at what are they looking for in this job? What are the main success ingredients? What's the main experience? What's the main characteristics? And um, and if you, if you and then how are they going to make that hiring and who? And you could do research by looking at other people who are in a similar role in the company on LinkedIn. The recruiters should know a lot of that if they've worked with the company. And I see a lot of general resumes. And sadly, I see people have made a pretty big investment to get a so-called professional resume. What a professional resume is, is one resume that will appeal to the broadest possible audience. Mm. And, and I'm absolutely the reverse of that. I want it customized. What have you done in your background that is most relevant to this specific job? Mm. Um if you were applying to, to you know, a resume to play shortstop in the New York Mets, um, it's great that you also played uh, uh, a tight end in college for your football team, but it's irrelevant to this job and it just takes away. Mm. And then the other major no-no in a resume is I see lots of what I call what you did. These are the job duties. Mm. I see very few how you did. How you did is a number. Um, again, if it's the shortstop of the Mets, what's your fielding percentage? What, right. what, what's your batting average and, and, and all the other numbers? In sales, how have you performed versus quota? How have you com compared to peers, such as consistently ranked in the top 20% awards? And at the end of the day, starting with the end in mind, if you remember the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, yes. um, you want them to say, wow, um, Jonathan has done a lot of really relevant skills at this. And he's kicked tail in doing it. And that's really the end reaction we're looking for. Right. So I slow people down. We work together on really crafting a resume that's mm -hmm. honest and accurate, but really relevant for this job. Yeah. And I'm hearing in alignment, the work we do with resumes is to focus on the results, not just the responsibilities. Yeah. What were the, uh, the, the measurable outcomes in revenue, market share gain, uh, awards, like you say, what would a CEO brag about in terms of results that you can pro you produced? That's that's the the kind of results, or or your or your future uh, uh, decision maker manager. Um, what would they? What are the, what are no. they measured on? Measures, measures, measures. And we sometimes have people go back. And I've actually had a new discovery in pushing for this. I have let people consider it. I've, brought up the kind of, we have to do some networking anyway. Why don't you look to see how you can help the people you've worked with in the past and whatever they're dealing with and ask them for help in clarifying the results that your work produced. And maybe they have connections Super to the right idea. recruiter, to the right contacts in the industry that you can learn from. So there's a real opportunity to push for those results in the resume. And uh, we'll work together on how, how we help people uh, uh, 
spend that time and make it really productive, eye-catching, and relevant. And But what you're saying is someone should have bullet points in a off-resume document and only put the relevant accomplishments to each job and have a separate resume for each application. Exactly. And yeah. your approach is dramatically different. So it likely would be a really good investment for someone. Um, but but you have to answer again, what are they looking for in this hire? Um, and, and what is the process that they're, that they're going to take to make that decision? Um, and, and when I say the professional resumes, I'm talking about the cookie cutter resumes that tries to throw in lots of keywords. So when you send your resume in, to example, a LinkedIn, and it's you and 800 other people applying for the same job, the computer's going to pick you out. But by definition, if you're working with a recruiter and I'm handing your resume, we don't have to worry about any programs and keywords. We just have to worry about what is the impact of that resume. Mm. And those are the ones I hate that just, it's one resume that's going to appeal to the largest number of computers programs. Yeah, very good. We're very much in alignment with that. Uh, you mentioned 800. I've heard that number too. You've, you're finding that there are really hundreds of candidates applying. What else should you suggest that candidates think about and do that is different than they might otherwise think as they're approaching jobs, a job search in this in this market? Um, LinkedIn is a great tool that 99% of people don't use correctly. Mm-hmm. And something you said that, that I encourage a lot is take a look at you know, colleagues, and it could be people you haven't talked to in a while that, that are in a, a position that's a senior position in a company, maybe someone you went to college with that haven't spoke to in five years. But I would do the reverse versus saying, hey, I'm looking for a job. Can you help me? Because the answer is almost always no. Say, I know we're in tough times. Life is short. One, I just thought I'd want to catch up with you. And two, is there anything I could do to be of any value and service to you? And mm-hmm. offer the service and offer the help. And more often than not, when they ask about you and you tell your situation, they'll be more inclined to want to help you, whether it's directly or putting you in touch with something else. But network networking is as important, maybe more important than finding the right recruiter. Hmm. Got that. I appreciate you saying that. You really do walk the talk of an honest recruiter. <laughs> what um, is that what's, an the dumbest, what's the dumbest thing you've seen a smart person do? Uh, it's my favorite story and I'll try to keep it shorter, but a final interview from a candidate that was living in the Carolinas that would relocate to Florida. They, they asked for a visit. They asked, you please bring your wife so she could see the city because she was involved in the decision. The person asked, you know, when I went to book flights, uh, do I mind if they drive? I said, why? And he said, well, you know, we're going to take my dog along, which I thought was strange and probably should have stopped it there, but I didn't. Um, and uh, long story short, the interview went fabulous. They were in for three hours. The uh, president of the company called me up and said, do you have a standard offer letter that you use or is it something that I need to do? So no, give, give me the specific financials. I could have it to you in an hour. So he's ready to present this guy an offer for a senior vice president, to about a $400,000 job. And um, and uh, the guy looked the part, navy blue suit, IBM type of look, uh, dating myself a little bit. Um, and uh, the, the president of the company said, let's tour the city a little bit, and then we'll go to my country club for lunch. And uh, he had uh, whatever the highest series BMW, and um, this particular candidate said, do you mind if I drive? And client said, um, 
well, you know what? I, you don't know the area. I'd rather you look around. He goes, no, I really need to drive. I said, why is that? I said, well, my dog's in the car. We've been three hours and the dog's probably having separation anxiety. So just seeing me will make the dog feel better. Plus I could let him out. So the president reluctantly got in this farm pickup truck with mud caked all over it, totally Please. inconsistent with the image. And apparently the reason the dog was around is because it couldn't be watched by people because it wasn't the friendliest of German shepherds. And so the president described to me afterward when he, uh, I got a call literally 30 minutes after the first call. <laughs> um, and, and you're halfway through the offer letter. It, 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 he, that's his question. He goes, did, did, did you, did you finish the offer letter? I said, you told me three hours. To be honest, I have barely started it. And he goes, good. Um, since you didn't start it, don't. We're not going to move forward. Mm -hmm. uh, and he proceeded. He, he goes, I've never been so scared in years. This dog was showing its teeth, growling, breathing. He's screaming at the backseat, smacking at the dog. He goes, what kind of what, what kind of insane person brings a vicious dog? So anyway, I tell that story. And uh, if we were having two drinks, it might even be funnier and longer. But it's I'm trying not, to keep it shorter. It's a great story. It's a, it's a true story. My wife says I should write a book when I retire. Um, and, and, and the list can go on, but we'll keep it at that story for today. That's really a good one. It's really a good one. Yeah, true Don't story. Bring your dogs on interviews, folks. Uh, <laughs> I thought you would say the dog ate the, the offer letter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Um, I always like to ask my guests two personal questions. What's your favorite music? We talked a little about that before we got on the call. You know what? Um, if I had one person and one person only to listen to, it would be Bruce Springsteen. I'm really loving his new album letters to you. Um, nice. I can't believe a 71 year old man produced music this great and is this creative at this point in his career. But um, yeah. I don't think there's anything like the boss in the East street band. He's the boss. The best way to say the boss is boss. <laughs> Bruce. Very good. We play some Bruce in the band I'm playing in. Cool. And uh, do you have any uh, causes for, uh, as a philanthropist uh, or volunteer or uh, society, you know, the community guy? What's a yeah. cause that's near and dear to your heart? You know, um, um, and I miss it greatly. Um, uh, I, I've got a, a wonderful standard poodle named Myron who um, we, we got certified as a therapy dog. And I would go uh, once or twice a week to a local children's hospital called rainbow babies and children's hospital. And we would visit mostly kids with cancer and other very serious illnesses. And, um, and, and for, for whatever time we were with them, all they were thinking about was the dog and petting the dog and he would cuddle next to them. And it was just, it was so meaningful that when I came back to work, it would take me an hour or two just to feel like my other work was meaningful. And be, because of COVID, unfortunately, it, it's on postponement and I miss it a lot, but uh, I can't wait to do that again. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, your kindred spirit, Jamie, I thank you so much for your time, for sharing your uh, honest truth of what's going on and how to navigate it and uh, your insights and intelligence. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Okay. Talk great. to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the career transition experts. Please make sure to listen to our next episode. And if at any time you want a clear view of the entire career transition process and a sense of where your strengths are and where your challenges are to work on, you'll get your free access to my career TPS assessment at careerexcitement.com. That's www.careerexcitement.com. TPS stands for Transition Performance Snapshot. 
This is Jonathan Flax wishing you outstanding career success and satisfaction in balance. Looking forward. Bye for now.